Good morning. Going to raise this a little bit. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, really? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you to the worship team for leading us this morning and Nelson with that prayer. Um, I've already qu- cried twice in the service this morning, so I'm just warning you get ready. We're going to dive into the Old Testament, so get your tears on, people. Um, is this skipping out already? Yeah. Is it because of my hair again? Oh. Let's just move that slightly okay. down like that. I'm new. And let's see if that works. Okay, thank you. You think I learned? I think the first time I used this, it was because of my hair. Now it's my breath. It's, it's hard to preach. Um, <laughs> but we're going to try. Okay. Oh, is it skipping out now? Is it good? We're going to go. Okay. Well, we're doing a series on financial imagination, as you may or may not know. It's on the screen there. And Lance led us through um, a sermon last week, starting us off on money and the, the stronghold money can have in our life, but also um, we're going to look into the power that money can have to facilitate God's kingdom. And um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about preaching on this this morning. Um, I don't know if you're excited about hearing a sermon on the Old Testament tithe, uh, which is what we're talking about this morning, but I'm pretty excited. So I told Chelsea this morning that that's what I was preaching on, and she told me that it's the sexiest sermon of the year. So you can, whatever that means, I don't know. Okay, so we're talking about tithing, we're talking about stewardship and generosity. And just to set you up for next week, Nelson next week is going to talk to us about uh, money and, and financial imagination for the common good. So keep it in mind, we're in the middle, we're the, we're the meat and cheese between the sandwich bread. Um, so you got to listen to last week, come back next week, you've got the whole picture. So, tithing. When we hear the word tithing, what do you guys think of? You can just shout it out. What comes to mind? 10%. 10%. Yes. Anything else? Trust. Is that Daniel Klenner? Yeah. Where, where are you, Dan? Oh, you're in the back. Trust, yeah. Testing God. Testing God. Yeah, good. Faithfulness. Sorry? A mint? A mint. Like, oh, yeah, like the, Jesus talks about tithing and mint. Yes, yes, good. You know your Matthew. Um, uh, anything else? You guys can, I mean, do you think of things almost like, oh, oh, great, or, or boring? Do you think of boring, you guys there? You know, kind of like, oh, Old Testament law, why are, why are we talking about this? I don't know. Maybe that's what we think of. Um, what kind of questions, other questions do we have when we hear tithing? Do you guys think about things like, well, do I really have to give 10% or do I have to give at all? Like, I thought we were under grace and not the law, so do I have to give 10% or do I have to tithe? So these are questions that at least I have and you may have. And this morning we're going we're gonna to dive into some of these questions and we're going to ask other kinds of questions as well. So... When I was growing up, so I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up in the church, and I grew up learning about tithing, and I I tithed my allowance from a very young age when I started getting an allowance, so my parents taught me that I would put 10% aside of my allowance, and that would go to the church, and then uh, from there I would be able to save or or spend or whatever. Um, So Halloween in my family was a very special time of the year, and um, now, Christian family, you think, really? Isn't that like the opposite? But no, I was, I was allowed to go out for Halloween, and so we would, my, my brother and I, my sister, when she was born, we would dress up, we would go collect our candy in the neighborhood, and um, as a side note, I was not a very creative Halloween uh, costume person, so one year, I, no, two years, I used, I used it for the second year, I dressed it as a box. <laughs> um, so I literally just like got a cardboard box and cut out arms and a head and opened the flaps for my legs, and I think I painted it blue, and I just went around, and people would be like, well, what are you? And I would say, I am a box, and uh, I would get candy that way. 
And it worked so well that I did it two years in a row. I also was um, Snow White one year. I don't know if you guys remember the 80s when those plastic costumes were really popular with like any character you wanted and then the little plastic mask with the little elastic. So I was Snow White for three years. Um, it fit very well over my snowsuit because I was from Northern Ontario. So we would go around collecting our candy, come back home, we'd spread it out on the, on the living room floor and then we would have to, and, I, and have to is the right word because we'd have to put it in like pop, chips, chocolate bars, the rockets, the suckers, the miscellaneous like stuff that why do people ever buy that stuff? Um, and then the homemade stuff which you're not allowed to eat um, for obvious reasons. So we would, we would have everything all divided up and then we would call our dad to come upstairs and he would be like, are you ready? I'm like, we're ready, father. <laughs> and my dad would say, God gets a tenth of your money and I get a tenth of your Halloween candy. <laughs> and every year, my dad would, we would count everything and he would take a tenth. And that is Halloween for me. I don't celebrate it any, any longer. Okay, so that's how I learned about tithing. Um, parents, keep that in mind with your children. Um, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to dive into the Old Testament. I thought I'd start with a fun story so that you would think the rest of the sermon was was really fun. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's pray before we start. Lord, we're grateful to be here. We're grateful to open your word this morning. We're grateful for scripture that um, gives us all we need for life. Uh, from the, the very mystical, spiritual things to the incredibly practical uh, things, God, we're grateful for your direction, for your ways, for your truth, for who you are, from beginning to end, that you don't change. And we invite you, God, this morning to open up our hearts and our eyes as we dive into this ancient, ancient text that can seem so um, irrelevant to us. God, we invite you to breathe new life in our hearts on this text that we um, can know your ways and follow them. Would you search our hearts this morning, God? We invite you in. Amen. Okay, so um, there's going to be lots of scripture happening on the slides, so please follow that as we go. We're going to do a very quick overview of the Old Testament tithe and the, the law, the Old Testament law. All right, here we go. So quick, quickly summarizing where the law came from. So we have this people group called the Israelites who are enslaved in Egypt thousands of years ago, and they were calling out to be redeemed. They, were, um, they worked seven days a week. They worked hard labor building the pyramids. And so God finally, through Moses, through Aaron, he rescues his people and he promises, promises them that he'll bring them into uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so they go, and maybe you know the story, they go through the Red Sea. God does all sorts of miracles to redeem his people from slavery. And he makes a covenant with them promises um, them that he will be with them, that he will never leave them or forsake them. And um, they, in turn, make promises uh, back to him. Um, and we, wa we want to remember at the start that God first rescues his people, and then he makes a covenant. So he is just good. He is just good to them. He rescues them. They are no longer slaves. And so as they're, as they're going to the promised land, he starts to give them a law. Um, Ten Commandments, and then if you start reading um, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, there is a lot of law in there. Anyone read any of those books? Yeah, Rosemary, Dice, two people, Chelsea, all women. Guys, come on. Um, you in the front, I don't know your name, but thank you. Um, yeah, and so he, he gives these books uh, with what we call the Old Testament law. It was just the law to them. It was the way that they were to live um, as God's people. And so this law covered all sorts of things, relational, cultural, social, and economic ways of living. It was extensive, it was full, um, it was very, very detailed. And in that law is, we find, the tithe. And that's what we're gonna kind of pull out today. Now, I wanna just acknowledge that pulling out a law from a, a whole system of laws can be very dangerous, as we know. 
Um, it can be very, it can lead us into legalism, into rebellion, and so we want to be careful as we do that this morning that we put it back into its context and we understand it within the, the full picture of what the, what the law is. But I think we can do it, so we're going we're gonna to try that this morning. Um, so we often talk about tithing as 10%, right? Someone said that this morning, and I think that's kind of what we know. Right? When, we, when we hear churches talking about, well, you need to tithe, we just know, well, that's 10% of, of my income. Now, net or gross? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, because actually there's three tithes. So we're going to talk about those three tithes. So the first tithe is from this scripture here from Leviticus. So we're going to read that together. A tithe, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. The entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. He must not pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If he does make any subst- a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. It's from Leviticus. And then in addition to that, another part of this tithe is from uh, Numbers. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meetings. I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord. So here's a tithe where the people of God were to take um, their produce, so they were farmers, so they had land, and they would take um, their flocks, their herds, uh, their, uh, their threshing, what's that called? Their wheat, their barley, I don't really know what, what they grew there, but the things that they grew in the ground, um, you know, I'm from the city, so. Um, so they took all of that, and they were to give a tenth of that to who? To the Levites. Now the Levites were one of the tribes of Israel and they were the only tribe that was not given land when God um, dispersed the land among his people um, because they were, their sole job was to serve the Lord. So they ran the tabernacles, they ran all the religious types of um, events. And so the rest of the people gave a tithe to this one people group so that they could live essentially. It was, it was their food. It was what they lived off of. So that was, that's the first tithe. The second tithe from Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 27. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe, because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, and other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Okay, so this is the second tithe. So they're already giving, when harvest comes, they're giving that tithe. And now here's a tithe where it's connected likely to the Passover feast. So once a year they would celebrate the Passover. And this celebration was to celebrate their their exit from Exodus um, many years ago. Um, And they would have a big party. And so they would give another tithe uh, every year towards their parties. So they also had other, other feasts as well, so it's hard to know if, it's, if this is all going to all the different parties or one party, um, but basically they would have uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is remembering God's provision when they were in the wilderness on their way to the Promised Land. They would have the Feast of Weeks, um, which actually just celebrated their harvest and the, the time when God gave them the Torah, the, the law at Mount Sinai. So they just, they just celebrated a lot um, but remember, they were, they were farmers, so life was a little bit dull. Any farmers here? Just kidding. Um, but they, they celebrated a lot. So they had all these different feasts throughout the year, and they had to provide for the feast. So they gave another 10% of, of uh, their cattle and of their, their wheat and whatnot. Okay, then we have a third tithe. Are you guys still with me? Yeah, okay. So 
Nice job. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens or foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. And so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So this tithe, um, which only happened once every three years, was given to people who didn't have any land. So again, the Levites, um, and also the widows, orphans, uh, foreigners who had come to join uh, Israel. And so this was an extra way of blessing uh, people who were likely just very poor. Um, and, and again, land was a symbol of, of some kind of wealth, and so the landless people um, also got um, a tithe every three years uh, to help them eat. Okay, so tithing, one, one act, various times of the year, as a part of a, a larger economic system that the, that the Israelites lived in. So how much did they give? No one f- fully knows, um, but if you were to take uh, this scripture, most people would, would, would guess that the, the Israelites gave about 23% annualized every single year um, towards uh, various things, the Levites who ran their, um, their tabernacles, their religious ceremonies, um, to their different celebrations that they had in remembrance of, of God's work in their lives, and also to the poor. And so they, they gave a lot of what, of what they had. But here's the catch. These tithes were not just isolated, and that's what they did. That was their giving. Um, they were a part of a much bigger system, and we can't go into all of that today. Uh, they had many more celebrations and festivals, but I want to just mention three really quickly. So we have a, just a, um, a little bit of a bigger picture of how the tithe fit into their, their way of life. So we had the Sabbath, which every Saturday they would, they would essentially rest. They would stop working. Now, for us, I think we all struggle with this concept and with with taking a Sabbath, but for a people who came from slavery, who never ever could rest, they always worked for hundreds of years, that God would give them a day to rest every week was amazing. When all you have to do is produce for somebody else to get to rest is just, is such a gift, and God put this into their system, and so they would tithe essentially on their time once a week. They also celebrated what's called the year of release. So every seventh year, they were mandated to, um, to release any debts that were owed to them. So they just had to say, okay, you don't owe me that money anymore or that, you know, that cow or whatever it was. Um, so they also had to set their slaves free. So we're not gonna get into slavery this morning, but slavery was a thing. And all the other nations, um, everyone, everyone did it back then. Um, and as did the Israelite people, but every seventh year, they had to set their, their slaves free. Um, everyone got a, a second chance or a third chance. And so they not only let them, let them go free, but they had to bless them with, with flocks and with herds and, and give them a, um, a start again with their new life. Beautiful. The only nation on the earth back then that did it this way. And then we have the year of Jubilee, which I think many of us have heard about. Um, After seven cycles of seven years, so in the 50th year, uh, they would kind of do the same thing as the year of release, um, except for this time they would give back land. And so again, you know, life goes on and people get into debt and they lose their land, they lose what they have, but every 50th year, everyone would be restored what they used to have. And so it was a way of the rich not getting too rich and the poor not getting too poor. It wasn't equal, there was still rich and poor, but it was a, a way of, of people having enough um, to live. It was just a beautiful system. And this is where the tithe lived. And so as we talk about the tithe this morning and how it applies to our life, um, I encourage you to keep that in mind that this is a part of a, a bigger picture of showing the heart of God for his people. Okay, so another, another way that the, the tithe function in their society. So they're giving, it's very practical. Um, also, it's a part of their remembering. So when they would give a tithe, whichever one it was, um, they would say something like this from Deuteronomy. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous, 
But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. So the tithe was directly connected to them remembering where they came from. That's just beautiful. They were slaves that were set free and all that they had, all that they have, um, was because of God of Yahweh. And it wasn't just that it reminded them, it was their reminder when they would bring their sheep or their cattle, um, they would remember, I have this because of what God has done and it's not just this, it's everything. Everything that I have is from God. I had nothing before, I was a slave and now I have this abundance and now we live in this culture, this society that is flourishing. Wow, is God ever good? So they were the people of God and they were learning a way of life that was abundant and blessed and flourishing. And you can imagine for other nations looking on this small, small people group called Israel, that they would look on this way of life and what do you think that they would do? They would, I think they would be in awe. Wow, I mean they get to rest once a week. They have this system in place where Everyone is provided for, everyone is taken care of. And this was God's way of showing his glory to the nations. Through their economy, God was showing the nations, do you want some of this? Come, come, gather, come to us. You can also have this life that I'm offering this people. So God's heart in all of this was also for the nations that they would also know his blessing. We read in Malachi 3, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate, for you will be a delightful land. This is the Lord of hosts. So for the nations as well, um, but also for, the, for his own people. But you kind of read a little bit of the struggle in here, and I think this is where we can connect with this morning. Um, God says to test me in this way. And someone said that. It's a test. Why? Because it's really hard to do. Right? When, when you're living on a day-to-day, when you're living in, uh, in a land that doesn't seem like it's going to get rain for a long time, or in Vancouver, um, where rent is so high and we can barely make ends meet, it's really hard to do. And God says, he doesn't rebuke them, he says, test me, test me, and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. But how do we test God? How did they test God? They, they, gave, they gave the tithe. Okay, so let's just summarize really quick. So that was a really fast overview of the Old Testament tithe and of the law, of of their economic system. Um, I've got some great books. If you guys wanna read some really good books about this, come talk to me after, I can give you some recommendations. Um, I can see that you all are very eager to do that, awesome. Okay, so the tithe, what was it for? Here we've got some Here we go, so provision. So again, they had three ties. They were to provide for their spiritual leaders, the Levites in this case. They were to provide with their tithe for celebrations and feasts, the ways that they remembered who God was and all that he'd done for them. And their tithe was to provide for the poor, the forgotten, and the foreigner. This was the, the purpose where the money went. It was also to facilitate them remembering their redemption story from Exodus, and it was also to facilitate them remembering that 
not just back then, but today, all that I have is still from God's hand. And so it was a connection to the past, to the present. And it was also finally a way that God used this system to bless all the nations, to show his love um, that he had for not just the Israelites, but for all the nations. Okay, so, I know, we're not Israelites, right? And we're people of the New Testament, we're followers of Jesus. And we're actually not gonna dive into the New Testament today. Um, I, intentionally, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to focus on the Old Testament because we don't do that very often and I think it's such a rich, um, it's such rich words and it's a rich story and there's so much that we can glean from it. Um, but I do wanna say that Jesus talked about the tithe once and someone brought it up this morning um, in that um, he basically was rebuking the Pharisees. He was saying, you tithe the tenth of your mint. So okay, we're talking in the Old Testament about sheep and horses and cows and wheat. But he's saying, you're tithing your mint. So they're like, they're taking this law now, thousands, hundreds of years later, um, to the extreme and saying, okay, yeah, wheat, you know what? We're really gonna show God um, that we mean business and we're gonna even tithe our mint and our herbs and our cumin. And Jesus says um, to them, you do that, but you, f- you neglect the greater things, justice and righteousness and mercy. And then he says, Keep doing that. If you want to tithe your mint, that's great. Keep tithing, but don't forget, don't forget that you need to connect your gift to the heart of God. And they had forgotten that connection. They had just started doing the actions without doing the heart, the heart of God stuff. Um, and then there's a whole passage about that, and he gets really angry, calls them names, really good names. Um, Matthew 23, check it out later. I read it yesterday in its fullness, and it is powerful stuff, you guys, so can't go into today, but Matthew 23, write that down, good. Um, all right, so what, is, what else does the, the New Testament say about tithing? Um, it talks a lot about generosity and giving, but there's nothing else about specifically about giving 10% or 23%, um, so we're gonna leave that there. I encourage you to, to, to keep reading. This is just the, um, we're just grazing the surface of what it means to live generous lives this morning. So we want to acknowledge that the Old Testament, while we are followers of Jesus, while we recognize that Jesus has come and he has fulfilled the law, so he is the law in its fullness, and we talked a lot about that this summer with our series on the Sermon on the Mount, Um, there is still so much to be gleaned from the Old Testament. It's not irrelevant. Um, Quite the opposite, we can ask if God is the same, if we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, um, and if his heart and his intent was all that we've just said, and if we are now the people of God, then how can we apply this paradigm uh, to our lives today? And that's where we want to go. Okay, so practically speaking, in looking at the heart of God this morning, um, the reasons why he told, he mandated, he gave the law that they would be giving in this way. Um, What kind of questions can we ask about our giving, about how we organize ourselves economically? Now, of course, we're in a a different day and age, different culture. We're not under a theocracy. We're not under a system where God was the king. We now have, the system that we're in, and, and it's very different, very different political situation, very different um, religious situation, but we still can ask these questions. So, are my spiritual leaders being taken care of financially? That's a question. Are our celebrations and our redemption story parties being funded? Are we even having them? Are the poor, the forgotten, and the foreigners being looked after? And also, do I know the blessing that God promises uh, when I give sacrificially, when I give generously? Um, and do the, de- do the nations know that from the church? Now, it seems like Israelite, the Israelite people had an advantage because they were, lived in a system where they just had to do it. And I think sometimes we think that the rules can just be easier. Well, I just have to do it, so do it, and God blesses, and it's done. Um, 
Interesting to note that they often did not obey. So this is the law that God gave them, and, but we can read from their story that most of the time they didn't live this law out. Most of the time they did not flourish. Most of the time they were actually taken captive to other lands and brought back and taken captive again. And their story is one of a lot of tragedy um, and a little bit of obedience. And so, yeah, so the law and then living out the law is, is the other thing. Um, but for us, we actually have the advantage. We're not under that system anymore. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then that means that you have the spirit of God living inside of you. And God's presence now directs the way that we give. Um, we talk about financial imagination. And we ask God, God, first and foremost, what is your financial imagination for us? If your spirit is in us, if you're guiding us and leading us and speaking to us and transforming us and teaching us and training us and all the things that God's spirit does, then surely you must have an idea about this. And I think we can get a lot from God's heart from what we can learn about from the, from the tithe. I was thinking this week about how we're different from the Rotary Club or the Lions Club, these good organizations that people give money to. And they go out throughout the world um, and they do really good work. It's like, are we any different? Are we kind of like that, a club, a Rotary Club? Um, we have the Spirit of God. That is a difference, and we have a calling and a mandate to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, that is our calling, and that is why we exist, church. That is why we exist, and our finances have so much to do with that. Like the Israelites, the bedrock of our financial imagination is our redemption stories. And if we really do believe that God owns it all, and if we really do believe that um, if he owns it all, then I am just a steward, that all that I have belongs to God, has been given to me by God, and my job with that is simply to steward it, to manage it, um, to make sure it gets to the places where the owner wants it to go. And we, and we are stewards. We are stewards of what we've been given. We're not owners. I don't think our imaginations are big enough as we, as we think about our, um, our hopes for this world, our hopes for our own lives. Are our imaginations big enough? I think we need God's spirit to speak into our imaginations and show us what he has hopes for in our lives and to believe that those hopes are good. We were seeing this morning, he's a good father. So I, I really believe that if we can even catch half of the vision of the Old Testament tithe, of this economic system, um, that God can bring his kingdom through, um, through this way of life, through this kind of generosity, through understanding that, that what we have is actually um, belongs to God and that he wants to do great th things through our resources. So let's talk again. We, we went through the different functions, the, the meaning behind um, the tithe. And now let's, let's think about our own lives. So we're talk, we were talking about um, thousands of years ago. But if we're going to take that model and look at our own lives, let's talk about this again. So provision for spiritual leaders. So not, we don't have Levites, um, but we have pastors. That's a good place to start. Um, I believe our pastors make um, what is kind of the standard, the average that a pastor should make in the city of Vancouver. And that's, that's awesome. Glad we don't give them less. Um, but imagine a day when as a church, we could give them more than the average. We could bless our pastors and their work. They're way more than 40 hours a week work and give them more. If we could put that in our budget, um, that would be a really good day to be able to bless our pastors in that way. Uh, our celebrations and feasts. I think we do a, a pretty good job at this, right, Artisan? Yeah, we've got lots going on, but, but 
These celebrations and feasts were specifically about remembering. So let's, so maybe we, maybe we don't then. I don't know. Maybe you do it and I don't know about it. Um, but when was the last time you got people together and said, you guys, let's remember how good God is to us. I want to tell you this story about what God has just done in my life or what he did in my life 10 years ago or, or today. Uh, so maybe we can get better at that. And that costs money because that's food and it's drink and we have all our favorite different kinds of beers and all of that. And, um, but but that, that is a part of, of our money is celebrating what God has done and remembering that together as a community. And then the last one, the poor, forgotten, and foreigner. This one breaks my heart, you guys. This is the one that I go to and I think, I look at my own life, never mind artists in church, my own life, and I think, wow, God, if, if my giving is supposed to be for this, for these people, if my life is supposed to be for these things, then I have a long way to go. But what about us? There's what, 200 people? I don't know. 250, we all make some amount of money and our giving is for these people. Among us, here this morning and across the street, the world. I'm not coming here with this sermon with answers, you guys. This is a conversation that we need to have. This is a conversation we need to have about our budget next year. But if this is God's heart, for our tithe, for 5%, 10%, 50%, whatever it is that we give, um, then we need, we need to do this. And not because it's a rule or a law, but because we love Jesus. And Jesus loves the poor. What about remembering? Remembering our past redemption stories, remembering our present redemption stories. Oh, can you imagine? Every time you, you put that money in the offering plate or you see your, your credit card statement or debit statement and you see artists in church, if you, if you give regularly, you stop and remember. I mean, we're missing out on that, right? Because they would like bring their, they would have the physical thing and bring it. They would remember and they would recite their past. Um, but how can, we, how can we do that? How can we do that more than just like put it in the basket or the, the tray and, and let it run automatically every month? And we, we're missing so much. We're missing so much of the richness of our faith um, and, and God's heart for our economy as people when we just let it run automatically every month. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying that's, this is the day and age that we live, so we have to find ways to remember when we give. And finally, a way to bless the nations and declare the praises of God. It's, it's kind of weird, like I think we think like preaching is the way that we tell the good news, and it is. Um, but we know that our life is also the way, and our money is a way that we can declare the praises of God, the way that we spend our money and use our money individually and as a church. It's the way that we can show and tell others I gotta tell you how good and how faithful my God is. Our money. Now, I don't wanna say that tithing is, is a bad thing this morning because I, I think there's some wisdom that God put in place for his people that we just need structures. We do well with structures. We do well with, um, with just regular things. And so I think 10% is a great place to start. Um, but you, might, you may or may not be in a place where that's possible. Again, you have God's spirit. Ask God, what, how do you want me to spend your money, God? This is your money. Um, and so I, I know for myself with my giving, I always, when I get to my income tax, I always think that I've given more than I have. I think I'm a really big giver and I'm super generous, and then I get to my income tax and I go, oh, really? 
And then I realized that I forgot to renew my credit card or change the date and blah, 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 and haven't been track, keeping track. And so I think structure is really good. So um, do what you want with that. Um, but I'd love to start um, a conversation this morning, you guys. We're, we're finishing off our 2018 financial year, our budget. If you were at the family meeting last week, you know that we have a deficit, a pretty big one, that if we go, okay, well, um, if we look at historical giving and then we apply that to this year, we're not going to make our budget. And what's going to suffer? The poor, the forgotten, and the foreigner. That's who's going to suffer because we've paid for our parties and we've paid our rent and our salaries. And you guys, that is not good enough. That is not good enough. We need, we need that to be the church. And so how are we going to do that? And, and that's where we need to dream together. We're all stretched. I get it. I'm stretched too. But let's dream together. Let's ask God, God, how do you see this coming in? And then next year, as the lead team, of which I'm a part of, we get together and we're going to make a budget for 2019. What do you guys want to do? What, what, are you, what are you hearing? What is God saying about our budget next year? Um, where we're, we're fighting a deficit right now, but oh, let's dream together. How can we get creative? How can we get creative so that we can get to a place where the poor and the forgotten and the foreigner um, are given to abundantly, where we can actually bless our, our pastors with a little bit more than the average. So at this point in time, I wanna just ask you, and we're gonna have this little chat right here. What are you, what are you guys hearing? What are you, what are you guys hearing God say? when it comes to artisan church and how we spend our money and how you, you see and you want us to spend the money that we get. Is anyone hearing anything this morning? Okay, so David's committing to 23%. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank you, David. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's, Thank you, David. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I think Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is, right? And just, there it is. Lots of restaurants. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we've got leaders with, with kids, and they don't go on dates very often. We can help babysit kids. Like, that's a, that's a great way of, of giving, but it doesn't cost you anything and doesn't cost them anything. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew.
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't. It's not about the amount, right? It's it's about applying it to the ten dollars that you have or the million dollars, and that's the story that we read this morning. The widow, the widow with the um, with the pennies that she dropped in, and Jesus said that he was pleased with her offering because she gave from her heart, whereas other people were giving these big gifts, and he was like, meh. So so much of it is about the heart, right, and our our intent and our motivation. Yeah. Government money. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I love it. That's a really good idea. So, are you planning on doing that? <laughs> Can you? I'll, I'll join you, we'll talk after. Okay, that's awesome, yeah. Okay, one more and then we, we should wrap up here. Rana. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we all just save our little bits and put them together, it's suddenly a lot. Yeah, that's great, you guys. Well, I I encourage you as as we leave this morning and go um, for lunch and and spend the day. Uh, let's keep the conversation going. Um, this is something that I think uh, we do we're doing well at, but we can do um, we can do even more. And I think God just wants to keep growing us and growing us. Lance talks about this is our first year where we're moved out of our, our parents' basement because we no longer get our rent paid and we no longer get an allowance uh, from C to C. And that actually is, our, is probably going to be our deficit. And so, um, you know what? We, we've done pretty good. We're, we're our first year out of mom and dad's house. That's pretty good. We're still, we're still alive. We're feeding and we're eating and all those things. But next year is our second year. So how can we grow how can we grow into this um, and continue to catch the vision that God has for our church financially to bless the nations? Um, so I'm excited to see where we go. I, I encourage you, call, email, text, anyone on the lead team. If you have ideas about our budget for next year, we want to hear your ideas, desperately. If you just have a word from God and saying, you guys, like smarten up, then we wanna hear that too. But please, we want to engage with you. We want this to be our budget, not just when we get to our family meeting in February, Ronan's going to go through it quick and you're going to be like, okay, vote, done. We want to engage with you. We want to know how do you see artists and church spending the money that God has given us. Um, so please, let us, let us know. Let's communicate. Okay. That's a start. Um, I hope that that's gotten your, your blood boiling a little bit and your, your imagination engaged. There's so many more things we could talk about, but we're gonna wrap up. We've got kids to gather and, uh, and lunch to have. So thank you so much for um, going with me this morning um, as we talk about the tithe, as we talk about giving, as we talk about artisan church. Um, as, as takeaways, I think a good place to start for all of us, I know for myself, is repentance. Um, and just God asking, Asking God, as I turn from my stinginess, my lack of faith, as I turn from my disbelief that you will actually open your floodgates,
that you will actually provide for me if I, as I, as I give this money that actually should go towards my rent, but God, I'm doing it in faith because I believe that you're going to meet me. All these ways that we can give in faith generously. Um, God, give us faith to believe that you are who you say you are and that you actually want to bring your kingdom to our community, to this world, through our money, partially anyway. Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, which convicts us and which shows us the way of life. We thank you for your spirit that moves in us and that teaches us your ways. Jesus, we thank you that you have come to redeem us and the world and that your kingdom is, has come and is coming and that we, your church, are a part of your work in this world. God, we repent of our ways. I repent of of my ways. I repent of how I hold on to my RRSP so tightly because that's my future. That is not my future, God, and I repent of that. You are our future. You are our provider. We belong to you, God. And all that we have belongs to you, and we ask that you would teach us to live in a way for the rest of our lives um, that honors you, that points to you, and points to how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen.